Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Hidden Rulers Throughout the Ages. And I want to thank all of you for your patience, obviously, since I came down with a pretty hefty uh, flu or cold, if you will. You could probably hear that I'm still sick now. But, you know, I know a lot of you say, Davey, you got to rest, you got to rest. And I truly appreciate that. But I got to be honest with you guys. I, I truly love doing this. And I can't thank you enough for allowing me to do this. And the the, the the passion that I have for this and the passion I feel that many of you have for this is is unmatched in ways that I can't necessarily physically uh, manifest, if that makes sense, or correlate it to. So again, in layman's terms, yes, I know I should still be recovering a little bit, but I don't care because I, I love this stuff. So anyways, today I think we have a very intriguing episode and I respectfully encourage you folks to give this a listen or watch before tomorrow's Euclid episode comes out and I'm saying this of course as of the time as of the day that I'm recording this just to ensure I'm recording there uh yes there we go so today's title is we're already on an operating table and we're bookshelves okay this is really interesting and I'll tell you why so let's first and foremost Understand that the Defense Intelligence Agency, as of yesterday, relative to the day I'm recording this, released on their FOIA Reading Room website the 38 technical papers that were written up in 2009 and 2010 pertaining to, again, the different, dare I say, metamaterials, programmable matter, the different concepts that ATIP, which was the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program that was, again, under a, a BAS, Bigelow um, Aerospace... I, please forgive me, Bigelow Aerospace um, something studies, and that was the contract in which the DIA gave to them. So this I find to be quite, quite intriguing. So let's jump into it. So let, let me give you folks some context here. Of course, Food for the Moon. Now, I believe this was a chapter that we actually uh, read not entirely through, but looked at um, in last two weeks ago in the uh, Archon episode from a couple weeks back. But let's take a look here. Boris Muraviev. In his epic work Gnosis, Boris Muraviev formulated an esoteric system for spiritual evolution founded upon the inner traditions of Eastern Orthodoxy. Though sharing a common basis with Fourth Way, what Muraviev detailed is comparatively more complete, accurate, and systematic. Here is an, ex an, an excerpt excuse me, from Gnosis summarizing what is necessary to transcend the lunar influence. As a cell of organic life on Earth, man plays a part in the development of the ray of creation. Now, first and foremost, we can, I mean, if we reference back to the roundtable that we did with Scott, Andy, and Brandon pertaining to, again, looking at some of the DIA documents, what you'll see there is that, again, we proposed a, a particular theory or hypothesis pertaining to photons and light rays being bent around the information structures in which our subconscious and conscious do in fact perceive. Now, here's what's interesting. I dare to propose or postulate. We're just exploring ideas. I'm not saying this is the end-all be-all. Let me be very clear. We are consciously on a metaphysical operating table, but our subconscious is that table. If you guys see what I'm saying, we are being metaphysically scalped, and I do not mean to fearmonger or sound like I am uh, trying to disseminate a, a disturbing or negatively oriented rhetoric or narrative, but we are metaphysically being scalped in a way that is harvesting our energy in a cosmological feedback system that is inverted to serve anything and anyone or any form of energy except for the ones in which it's coming from, us. 
okay? And I would also like to thank Lewis as well for the term neurological form constants, which seem to corroborate physical realism, and we'll get to that shortly. I don't mean to uh, confuse you folks or, or ramble on in that regard. So let's take a look. As a cell of organic life on Earth, man plays a part in the development of the ray of creation. The vivification of the moon, that cosmic photos, is one aspect of this development. This requires considerable quantities of energy, which is produced in particular by the human part of organic life. Illusion, which plays such an important role in the waking consciousness of man, was introduced into that state so that he would accept this aspect of the cosmic work, participating in it without rebellion. If we become conscious of this situation and desire to escape it, uh, to escape it, we must conceive and create a screen which will protect us against this devouring influence of the moon. We must, meanwhile, guard against falling into illusion again by erecting a false screen. The result would be an aggravated waste of these forces in instead of an economy of force. The quantity of force necessary to genuinely oppose the influence of the moon is already considerable. The first imperative, then, is to stop wasting these, these forces, to turn off the taps which let the energy escape uselessly, sterile emotions, in particular negative emotions, fantasies from uncontrolled imagination, uncoordinated mental gymnastics, gossiping and chattering. Before I go on, again, this seems to correlate with that of understanding oneself before we start asking the questions of, okay, how many species are there? You know, what material are their craft made out of? How much more advanced is this species compared to another one? What are the politics of these species? Before any of that, dare I say, respectfully and humbly, we need to take a look here at this particular sentence. So... <clears throat> Let's break this down, okay? We're going to go through the sentence one last time, but then you're going to see why I find this to be so significant. The first imperative, then, is to stop wasting these forces, to turn off the taps, which let the energy escape uselessly. Now, before we go on, let's correlate that to Alexei Novisky, the astro astrophysicist, Special shout out, brother. He's coming back on soon to review some very interesting zero point energy papers with us for the members. But what we'll find here is Alexei Novitsky talks about, again, in his book, as we've gone through, and you can, for those that are new members, you can check the previous, um, you can check the archives of the list of episodes we have here on Patreon, and you could see that there are springs in which one's intention and intent focus towards when the bioresonant um, frequencies emitting off the body are pointed towards a particular direction. This is not a conspiracy. I mean, I, uh, for crying out loud, folks, we did a public episode which was early access for you folks, obviously, about a couple weeks back, we used the WHO's own website to source it, to source this, to show that this is the case. And then two days after, it was removed from the WHO's website. I'm not saying it was us that caused them to remove it, but I mean, a little bit coincidental, you know? So again, now, let's take a look at this. To, stop, uh, to turn off the taps which let the energy escape uselessly, such as sterile emotions, in particular negative emotions, <clears throat> Negative emotions pertaining to, again, dare I say unfortunate events such as 9-11 and what have you, right? Fantasies from uncontrolled imagination, dare I say, because again, we're all, we're largely adults here, adults here um, porn, I would probably say, honestly, um, uncoordinated mental gymnastics, hmm, gossiping and chattering, this is interesting, Got uncoordinated mental gymnastics, gossiping and chattering. By the way, I'm not saying porn is bad. I'm just saying the concept of, um, dare, I'm just going to be straight up about it. The very direct and implicit fetishes 
um, that these porn websites seem to be really pushing onto people. That's what I mean more so specifically. But anyways, um, we'll find over here. Let's take a look. Okay, softpanorama.org. Okay, this is a huge website for some very, very, dare I say, gray, unfortunately, dark strategies. So again, this is not for the faint of heart delving, not this particular section, but the website overall, I would say respectfully. Now, let's take a look here. In politics and sociology, divide and conquer is gaining and maintaining power by breaking up larger concentrations of power into pieces that individually have less power than the one implementing the strategy. Very simple. <clears throat> Excuse me, is it easier when you say you go buy a pizza, you pick up a pizza, is it easier in terms of weight and balance in your in your hands physically to carry an entire pizza box home so you got to walk home or even bring it into the car or in terms of just, you know, ergonomics and all of that, it's just easier to carry a slice. It's easier to carry a slice, right? That's exactly what this is here. By dividing and conquering, it's much easier to carry that slice of pizza home instead of saying, holy crap, I got this whole box of pizza I got to carry with me. I got to make sure I don't fall. Yada, yada. You see what I'm saying? Again, metaphorical example, but we can apply it here. So the concept refers to a strategy that breaks up existing power structures and prevents smaller power groups from linking up. Traiano Boccalini cites, Quote, divide et impera in La Bilancia Politica, 1136 and 2225 as a common principle in politics. The use of this technique is meant to empower the sovereign to control subjects, populations, or factions of different interests who collectively might be able to oppose his rule. Hmm. How can we make some correlations to modern world today? Interesting, isn't it? Now, Machiavelli identifies a similar application to military strategy address advising in the book of the art of war dell'arte della guerra that a captain should endeavor with every art to divide the forces of the enemy either by making him suspicious of his men in whom he trusted <coughs> excuse me or by giving him cause that he has to separate his forces and because of this become weaker interesting right now Let's take a look, for example, if we go back here. The first imperative, then, is to stop wasting these forces, to turn off the taps which let the energy escape uselessly. Sterile emotions, in particular negative emotions, fantasies from uncontrolled imagination, uncorded mental gymnastics, gossiping and chattering. We must thus act like a wise minister of finance and carefully economize our energies, yet without all the time sterilizing either our activity or our intelligence. On the contrary, we must store and as far as possible augment these forces to build up our reserves. These are the two main aspects of the first objective we have to obtain. By you and I having this conversation right now, I dare to postulate humbly that we're doing exactly that now. Moraviev also explained that organic life functions as a transmitter station, sending refined energy to the moon to assist its growth. Despite increases in the human population and thus an increase in quantity of energy transferred, times of peace do not produce sufficient energy, and so catalysts for suffering such as wars and catastrophes arise to sustain the process. Interesting. Again, this speaks back to, again, thanks to Brandy Tricked by the Light.com, the concept of the demiurge knowing whether it's an, you know, an uh, archon, an AI, whatever you want to call it, a sort of metaphysical parasite, if you will. Again, not to fearmonger, but if we want to call it like what it allegedly is, again, 
the concept of dividing, but also creating just enough peace so that the energy is regained again, if that makes sense. Now, what's interesting about all of this, too, is that using this process... Okay, it seems as though for those that watched, of course, the episode we just put out for the members with Scott, Andy um, and Brandon creating one's own luck. How does one do that? This is where it gets interesting, folks. So let me just take a sip here and then we're going to head to the uh, the sketchboard, actually. To take a look at some very interesting things. So <clears throat> how does one create one's own luck? Well, Let's see here, for example, pretend this is Earth, okay? Please ignore this X with the blue circle for now. Pretend this is Earth. Pretend these green circles are entropy pockets, entropy and neg entropy pockets. So you might say, Dave, what does that mean? They're forms of energy, including humans, but also what you would call ghosts, plants, you know, nature, all of that, within particular vicinities. And then the energy in which the, the bioresonant energy disseminating off of us, the plants, everything around it, stops and hits a limit. Now, I'm not saying there's a perfect circle. I'm just using the green circles as an example of that. And of course, as I dare I say, my, my green circles are not uh, nearly perfect as well. And it kind of fits in this case. Now, this is what one could say is an entropic state around the globe. Right, which is why, for example, in some places, some of you might live in some parts of the world where it's like, holy crap, no matter what I do with my body, no matter what I do for my health, I still, part of my English, still feel like total shit. This could, this could explain that. I'm not saying it does, but this could certainly explain that. This could then, again, lead into the, the I, I want to be careful with these terms because I, I don't want you folks to, to interpret the stigmatization of the rhetoric here, but spells. White magic, black magic, casting spells all over the planet, so to speak. Okay, if that makes sense. Now, again, when, when I say spell, you might say, Dave, what do you mean by spell? Again, we could say that a spell has to do with intent of one's particular bioresonant energy. So, again, is it, is it you know, science to justify, is it magic, is, excuse me, is magic science yet to be, is magic science unexplained, excuse me, or is science magic unexplained? I don't have the answer. But here's what's interesting about this, though. It could be both simultaneously. Because if you remember, folks, I left this part of the, the sketch pad um, deliberately open on purpose or empty. Remember when I gave um, last week's episode or two weeks ago the episode talking about how think about how an energy string is formed and then it destroys itself and then forms again and then destroys itself again. And so what you have is just boom, boom, destruction, creation. And if it moves fast enough, you then have what's, again, an energy string, dare I say. Okay, now, this is what's equalized interesting. Uh, picture this method or concept here occurring within different entropic states or energetic states or, dare I say, lands where spells have been cast. What kind of spells? Could be good, could be bad. Now, here's what's interesting too. You see the green circles? Take a look at the red circle, then take a look at the blue circle over top of it. This is what I would dare to say are entropic and negentropic. This refers to entropy, and entropy refers to chaos of energy within a particular vicinity. From different densities, realms, dimensions, worlds, you name it. It's not for me to say. The reason I bring this up is because notice that, and I made the circle smaller on purpose. They're supposed to be perfectly overlapped, but because I couldn't get a 3D view, right? This is a 2D view of it. Again... What does this remind us of? Scalar waves, the toroid field, okay, the concentric circles. There are so many things we can correlate this to. Now, equally as much, 
get this, folks. <clears throat> you remember this right over here? Divide and conquer. We see over here that a captain should endeavor with every art to divide the forces of the enemy, either by making him suspicious of his men in whom he trusted, or by giving him cause that he has to separate his forces and because of this become weaker. Separate his forces. Interesting. Almost like us on Earth. Again, we are all in different entropic states or negentropic states, when in reality, one could argue, I'm not saying this is what should be, I'm just saying one could argue that we in fact, let me use a different color here to, to specify, we in fact, let me use, um, yeah, yellow's a nice color, let's use that. We in fact should be one big collective consciousness, one big state of entropy. Do you see what I'm saying? But what's happened is divide and conquer has occurred energetically, metaphysically, and physically. And this goes back to the concept of this right over here. When you have an idea, actually, hold on, let me, let me just um, redraw this here on the side. When you have an idea relative to the different vibrational states that, again, if we, this is the 2D perspective of the spiral, but if we look at it from a 3D perspective, you have the toroid field, because what happens is when an idea, say Earth is in the middle here, right, right in the center where my mouse is, we are in the physical. This is, say, a metaphysical density vibrating at a different frequency and a different pace this is yet another one right and i'm sure it just it's unlimited right which explains when you're on psychedelics the macro micro of zooming in zooming out type concept however now <coughs> sorry guys for the coughing i promised in the next few days i'll get better but we'll see here when one has an idea and this was corroborated by many like don phillips clifford stone you name it when one has an idea it's been postulated that Again, it starts from the outer rims of whatever metaphysical uh, apparatus we tend to inhabit relative to our individual perspective of reality that quantum physics has proven. And so, again, we're in the center at Earth, in the center there. As we work in the physical towards our goal, the metaphysical process or the blueprint doesn't become so much of a blueprint, but becomes, in fact, a literal thing, which then works its way in this is an arrow here, works its way into the center. And the concept is, is that if we can break out of the physical realm, so to speak, or the limitations of the light bending in the physical realm, we can then get to this part of the realm here, which would be, dare I say, the, you know, the fifth dimension, so to speak, which is that when you think of something, uh, it manifests right away. Now, not only that, you see this right over here, the divide and conquer concept? If I was in a metaphysical mindset, but I wanted to apply a military strategy, this is how I would do it, personally. Again, you remember when I said, folks, imagine if you got a crystal ball, and that crystal ball represents Earth, and you're just tapping on all the different parts of the planet to create just, part of my English, just a clusterfuck of chaos? Yeah, this is how I would do it. But I would ensure that this yellow entropic state cannot become a collective one. You see what I'm saying? And that's hence why the smaller rings would be needed of different forms of energy to create chaos. And then you have what's called neurological form constants that actually, let me jump over here. <clears throat> Describe this right over here. Again, this is the uh, a DIRD, which stands for Defense Intelligence Reference Document. Again, March 23rd, 2010, by the way, okay? Technological approaches to controlling external devices in the absence of limb-operated interfaces. Okay, now, look at this. Just at the table of contents, 
direct neural signals, indirect neuronal signals, control of external devices. Hmm. Open loop direct cortical array algorithm modeling closed loop peripheral peripheral arrays utilizing visual feedback new electrode designs hmm hybrid neurobotic systems for true closed loop bmi optical stimulation of action potentials optical stimulation of action potentials okay i'm happy the documents are out but at the same time if i'm being totally honest with myself and you folks jesus christ is this thing very vague <laughs> again optical stimulation the eyes again as i was saying about interpreting information structures relative to the light waves and the photons that are all around us but again something is scalping us on that table that that metaphysical surgeon table and something scalped us for a long time now that is basically trying to tell us the scalp is basically trying to tell us subconsciously that the scalp isn't even there it's sort of like a uh, you wake up on a table in a hospital per and the doctor's performing surgery on you and you, you're you like, why the hell is surgery even being done on me? It, it was never planned. You didn't even know that you're in a hospital. You're like, you ask the doctor as you wake up, but you're very weak. You go, doctor, please stop. Please stop. The doctor has the scalp in your body and is looking you dead in the eye and says, there's no scalp in your body. I'm not stopping anything because I'm not doing anything. That's what I would dare to say is happening energetically here. That's just, again, just just my perspective. I could be very wrong. Now take a look at this. Simplified rendering of a neuron. Hmm. Interesting. Experimental overview of a brain-controlled robot in a cl enclosed loop with visual feedback experiment. Hmm. Schematic of the neural chip functional blocks. Now, again, notice all of this. They talk about closed-loop experiments. Closed-loop experiments. Can we not think of, again, closed-loop entropic states? Interesting, isn't it? How this could be applied. Now, this is equally as interesting, too. We notice within some of these documents, too, that there is a discussion of a hybrid neurorobotic system via that of the Boston Retinal Implant Project. This is the bostonretinalimplant.org. Bionic Eye Technologies, Inc. and Vices Technologies, Inc. And again, BRIP, the Boston Retinal Implant Project, was founded in the late 1980s and has been successfully funded since that time to develop medical devices to help blind patients. Bionic Eye Technologies, Inc. and Vices Technologies, Inc. are each developing state-of-the-art devices to assist visually impaired patients. Now, again, of course, I'm not trying to say good nor bad. That would be the public justification. But notice how, again, there's interesting funding behind all of this and notice how this occurred since the late 80s which if we look at the timing of <coughs> the stargate project which was headed up by hal pudoff and all of this quite interesting but again i'm not trying to get you know fringe conspiratorial let's make connections but the chronology of the timeline seems to in fact correlate okay now this is where it gets even more um dare i say exciting or I guess, so to speak, right? So what you have, in addition to these uh, neurological form constants, are social memory complexes. Now, what's interesting about social memory complexes is that as we are metaphysically in this, um, dare I say, shell, so to speak, in the physical, what happens with these social memory complexes are, is that it seems as though the moon, and we'll get to this in, in, a, in a second, the moon via that of its passive energy, uses solar energy to then reflect certain rays 
in its own form of artificial transformation, as it says here, but not without a transformation as its own nature. In order to make us think we have an organic connection with what we call outer space, when in reality, there is clearly some type of frequential issue going on for both from both a visual sense, a spiritual sense, a metaphysical sense, and in many different ways as well. What we'll find here is that, again, being a satellite, the moon depends directly on its planet, and it is only through the latter's mediation that it enters into relation with, with the sun. One of its essential roles is to reflect solar energy onto the Earth's surface in a form modified by reflection as described above. This also leads to qualitative and quantitative variations that depend on its phases. These changes do not prevent continual reverberation due to the fact that the moon always presents the same face to Earth as the duration of its rotation around itself and around our planet are both the same. It's interesting because... It stands to reason, and I quote, that essentially it is a matter of astrological alignment between the Earth, Sun, and the Moon. Oh, you mean, again, possibly like world governments knowing about every X amount of thousand years or 100,000 years or whatever the number is, there is a reset or a, dare I say, the fishbowl in which we may be in. I, I, please don't let me limit your, your perspectives by saying these words, folks. I'm just, again, just trying to think of things on the spot here. The fishbowl in which we're in actually could be seen through it's a possibility right now take a look at this <clears throat> what we'll find here during new and full moons the moon and sun are respectively in conjunction and opposition during quarter moons they are square opposition conjunction and square represent alignments that in this particular case aggravate the mechanical aspects within man or within humans. Other times of the month when the moon is trine or sextile sun, a more har harmonious astrological aspect establishes itself. These alignments engender calmer temperaments with the mechanical influence not trespassing into emotional or mental territory. That the moon always shows the same face, has an unusually circular orbit, and is precisely distanced to blot out the sun during total solar eclipses implies an intentional placement by the architect of the matrix, or perhaps it simply suggests a collective choice to experience this highly improbable but necessary reality. When asked if the moon was intentionally placed, the Cassiopeians responded, quote, This is impossibly complex because in one way or another everything is part of a plan, end quote. Muriavif and Uspensky emphasize that despite the soporific nature of the moon and the urgent ne uh, necessity for individuals to overcome its influence, there is still an important cosmological reason for this arrangement. If nothing else, the moon makes physical life possible by driving the Earth's rotation. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And I say this because what we'll find is if we skip to this page here, quote, if you cannot imagine in this way at present, you must pre uh, perforce cling to materialistic images. He touched the glass of water on the round table in front of him. Then imagine a glass of water clouded with a pigment. If the glass is left to stand, the particles will settle to the bottom in a thick dross, leaving the water above clear. This is much nearer to the spiritual reality of what happened when the moon left the earth, taking with it certain forms of dross materiality. Hmm. The schema which depicts the planets in extended space pertains only to physical vis vision. You must understand this or there will be no way in which you can approach some of the greater mysteries of the cosmos. What appears to be on the outside is more accurately described as being on the inside. Again, as above, so below. 
Instead of looking outwards, what about looking inwards? Our earthly vision is extremely limited, for under normal circumstances we see outwards from the central ego to the cosmic periphery. However, this is not the cosmic vision. We are so used to this limited vision that we are not sufficiently tolerant to accept that there can be others, including a vision from the periphery into the center. Hmm. Okay. The reason I took a pause is this is what's interesting. Why, asked Philip, did the moon have to separate from the earth? It was a cosmic fission. The moon represents the harder mineralization of the earth. In the body of the moon is the matter which, had it remained with the earth, would have weighed down human development too deeply. Man would have not been able to bear the weight of those forces in his own body, just as we know from our own observations of ourselves that we must slough off darkness to reach into the light so the planetary bodies must also involve themselves in a similar fission. Even so... It is true that the weight of the moon, albeit removed by half a million miles, still contorts the physical body of the earth and its inhabitants through what are usually called gravitational effects. Okay. Some of you might say, Dave, hold on. If the moon came from earth, I thought at one point, I thought Alex Collier claimed that, you know, it was dragged here from, from Rigel, if I'm not mistaken. It was both simultaneously as I understand it. Because again, this is when it gets really, dare I say, um... Mind-blowing, confusing, intriguing, depending how you look at it. And we're going to use a document over here to substantiate this. So this is the space communication implications of quantal, of quantum entanglement and non-locality. Okay, non-locality. What does this essentially mean? Non-locality essentially refers to going back to over here. These different circles are energy circles. Again, if, and I kindly refer you folks to the using iPhones to hide gravity episode to sort of get get a better understanding of how we broke down the way in which we are deceived as as the as the public. But these energy vortexes are everywhere, all over the place constantly. Okay? Now, here's what I'm gonna do. I am going to very quickly open up uh here we go. Alright. I wrote this note to myself, and I want to show you folks that I'm just like all of you in terms of the way in which I sometimes prepare for uh, for shows and episodes. Again, the idea of negentropic and entropic rings are toroid fields that this planet inhabits both naturally and artificially. When I say artificially, I'm referring to, again, the concept of spells. For good or for bad, it depends on the intent of that spell. And they act as the tunnelers of metaphysical ideas manifesting into the physical. Again, tunnelers like the serpent hole, like the wormhole, as the ancient texts would describe, whether it was an object, a craft coming through these serpent wormholes. Okay? So, again, we'll find that to be quite prominent. We'll find that to be quite significant relative to the way in which, again, whether we look at it from a 2D or 3D system, there are the rings of the concentric circles. Now, <clears throat> What non-locality essentially means is that instead of, again, world governments and all this wanting us to think, oh, we're just on this planet and we're not connected in any way, shape, or form, or what have you. No, no, no. We are connected. But you see, here's what's interesting. We can be, dare I say, omnipresent. You can be present at one place and present at another simultaneously in a way that you can actually use your mind to adapt to the current Again, I have to be. I want to watch my words here because I, I, my goal is to not confuse you folks, is to help clarify things. The current spatial temperature of the environment in which you're just a branch 
of your consciousness is situated in. What do I mean by that? Well, if we remember that, I believe Hal Pudoff said a long time ago that, and this is true, by the way, it's scientifically proven. If you jumped into a bathtub it, where the temperature was to the T, the exact same temperature as the temperature your body's emitting, you would not realize you're in water. Okay. You see, that changes, that changes things a little bit there with respects to perspective. It makes us think, hold on. We're only vibrating at one frequency, as we showed back over here. What if there's another frequency, say, that destroys and then recreates itself simultaneously because it is non-local at a bit of a slower pace? Would that constitute another realm, dimension, density? That's not for me to say. But again, this just goes back to the labeling of words. So let's look over here. The space communication implications of quantum entanglement and non-locality. So what we'll find here is that if we scroll down, um, hold on. Schematic of Earth to Mars real-time control of a rover. Okay. A superluminal, by the way, controlling the rover with their mind. A superluminal non-local communication system in which the communication spans a space-like interval. Don Phillips said in the 90s, by the way, let me just say, that they were working on uh, technologies where they could control not just one craft, multiple craft, with their mind, humans could. And you can say... Um, Again, he used this uh, as an example, which I don't think is a, the best one. But again, uh, with respects to, you know, violence, if you want to fire a weapon on the craft, you just, you know, you either blink or a certain, you know, um, movement of the face, if you will, of the mannerism of the, of the body muscles, create that reaction or even more so thinking of just firing a shot and you're not in the craft. Okay, now. Look at this slit imaging coincidence free version of the ghost free in, of the ghost interference experiment demonstrating superluminal and retrocausal signaling superluminal luminary okay now here's what's very interesting <clears throat> non-local quantum signaling would have far-reaching implications as an enabling technology for superluminal and retrocausal signaling. Scenarios that might need lead to non-local quantum communication are described and applications to retrocausal signaling and real-time space communication are considered. Hmm. Okay. Now, communication in space at the scale of the solar system is severely limited by the space-time scale set by the speed of light. Light signals, whether in the form of radio waves, microwaves, visible light, x-rays, or gamma rays, gamma rays, excuse me, require about 3.3 microseconds to travel a distance of one kilometer. Again, there's the 33, you know, 33, but whatever. A light, <laughs> a light signal sent from Earth requires about 1.3 seconds to reach the moon, between 4.4 and 20 minutes to reach Mars, and between 4 and 4.3 hours to reach Neptune. Now, <clears throat> this is what I mean by saying we're, our subconscious is fueling the, the, the surgeon's table and we're being scalped. Okay, so take this right here, communication at, at a long distance. So let's just say, okay, folks, that, and we'll be jumping to, um, excuse me, we'll be jumping to this document next. But let's just say, let's, um, hold on. Let us open up a, actually, you know what, we're going to do this. Here we go. Let's open, all right, here we are. So, you remember, and we've, I've, I've done my best to try and um, bring this up as adamantly as I could relative to the appropriateness of the topics we're discussing. Notice how we've been exploring the idea that, let me use here, red, 
say this is an energy node and then there's the transition state from one node to another we've gone through already the concept of how again it's possible the transition state is more important than that of the node it's going to because again that speaks to the constant cosmological feedback system that never ends however you see this right here something or someone or maybe ourselves or who am i to say subconsciously is scalping a good chunk of this off so they essentially say we only get that little bit of that transition going to the node and what that does is fuel on a um dare i say on a multi-layered ladder type level that fuels the information in which our conscious receives so this node here could be the subconscious and then this could be the conscious and there's a scalp occurring which is why some of us or a lot of us get goosebumps when you feel like you've had deja vu when a timeline has shifted when you feel like for example you've met someone for the first time but you feel like you've met him before sort of like the past life uh life cycles or past lifetimes that's your subconscious when you get those goosebumps i'm just exploring ideas i'm not saying that's what it is but i would say that's your subconscious trying to tell your conscious directly yes 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 exactly but there's a scalp there's a knife in the body preventing the flow of energy or just like if you please forgive me for um, depicting a, a bit of a um, uh, what's the term sorry guys a little bit of a brain fog today a little bit of a, uh, an explicit image that's the word think about again the the doctor you wake up and the surgeon has the scalpel in your body and you ask the surgeon to remove the scalpel because you want the, all the blood to flow beautifully and nicely as it should be in the body but then the doctor the surgeon goes what do you mean there's no scalpel just blatant denial blatant blatant denial does that make sense guys essentially that's what i would dare to say seems to be occurring here and those goosebumps when you feel like you've sort of hit the nail on the head and everyone could hit the nail on the head in a different way again everyone's journey is different but it all comes back to the same collective consciousness that they don't want us to know about hence the divide and conquer strategy with the with the entropic states in between and scattered all over right and in addition to that the entropic states lead to that of gravity formations as we call it which then lead to again vacuum fluctuations which is why they again had to cover up the whole thing of oh we don't know what these things are so we're just going to show you the public the outline this is just gravity this you know this, that's all we know guys you see you see how it all comes full circle okay now let us head to <clears throat> this right over here warp drive dark energy and the manipulation of extra dimensions this seems to describe perfectly the way in which this is exactly how it could be done it, again the you know i'm just gonna read it essentially the wormhole involves connecting two potentially distant regions of space by a topological shortcut theoretically one would enter the wormhole and instantaneously be transported to the exit located in in a distant region of space although no observational evidence of wormholes exist theoretically they can exist as a valid solution to general relativity ah you see no observational evidence of wormholes exist could it be because again maybe no observational uh, evidence of wormholes exist in the green scale of things which we would would be a metaphorical representation of the frequency we're currently vibrating at in the physical but maybe the red does or the blue does you guys see what i'm saying 
another vibrational density may showcase that, which is possibly why that when that former CCP intelligence agent came out saying that quantum computers have been dumbed down because the real quantum computers show, in fact, that there's a blue sort of intelligent light orb, if you will, that seems to communicate from some type of other dimension with these scientists when they're in the laboratory. And in addition to that, the quantum computer shows that every human on this planet is connected with an, uh, some type of astrally, um, uh, some type of astral string or energy string again they don't want us to know that that's that divide and conquer concept they don't want us to know that we're all connected all of these non-local states of what they call chaos and entropy are all intertwined you guys see what i'm saying and we top that off with this right over here Fractalfield.com slash conjugate mind, Dan Winter's work. Take a look at this. Transverse EMF charges the waves vertically, which then enters its way into the Planck dimension threshold for this conversion, which explains why there's constantly, again, serpent holes, wormholes, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter what we name it. It's the same darn thing that our ancestors have been speaking about for God knows how long now, right? And then let's take a look here. Actually, I like how he wrote it here. Um, please forgive me. The faster than light enables remote action at a distance. This way out through light speed for charge during, during perfect non-destructive conjugate implosive charge compression is the mechanism or causation of gravity, electronegativity, life force, consciousness, and all neg entropy. Again, literally what's written here... like. Everything in these red letters here, in these red words, is exactly that we, uh, what we've been describing for the past, how long have we been recording now? 41 minutes, literally. So, again, now if we go down here, I love how Mr. Winter took, again, a page out of Walter Russell's Universal One, showing the expansion and contraction, and the compression and expansion zones in waves, right? Now... This is uh, what I'm about to read here is a quote from Nikola Tesla's statement on September 11th, 1932 to the, Nor to the New York Herald Trib uh, Tribune. The so-called Hertz waves are still considered a reality, proving that light is electrical in its nature and also that the ether is capable of transmitting transverse vibrations of frequencies, however low. The view has become untenable since I showed that the universal medium is a gaseous body in which only longitudinal pulses can be propagated involving alternating compressions and expansions similar to those produced by sound waves in the air. Okay, I show that the universal medium is a gaseous body. This goes back to if you go into a bathtub at the exact temperature that your body's bioresonance, uh, uh, at the exact temperature your body's organs are f disseminating in a bioresonance sense at, you would have this. Now, involving alternating compressions and expansions similar to those produced by sound waves in the air. Compression and expansion. I love how one of the lectures I watched of Mr. Winter from uh, long ago, before he came on the show and before the show even started actually, he talked about in one of his lectures, he used his hands to go like this. He goes, when you hug your partner, actually hold on, let me, let me take this full screen for you folks so you get a full view here. When you hug your partner, do you hug them like this or do you hug them like this? You hug them like this. Again, compression, expansion. And this also speaks to Alexei Novitsky's concept of how it's not space that's expanding. It's our perception. But you see, our perception 
is different for each of us. It should be different for each of us, but it is not, and I say this in a good way, that it should be different for each of us, but it is not because something is trying to tell us, no, 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 don't worry about what's what's inside here. Uh, no, excuse me. Don't worry about what's on, like, what you are as a whole collectively. Focus on your little part of the planet, your little reality of the world. But you see, I think that's exactly where we, we fall short. Now, if we head over here, uh, what we'll find is that Tesla says, thus, a wireless transmitter does not emit Hertz waves, which are a myth, but sound waves in the ether, behaving in every respect like those in air. Kind of like why dolphins have sonar. Makes you think, doesn't it? Except that owing to the great elastic force and extremely small density of the medium, their speed is that of light. Something limited our understanding of reality to the speed of light, in my opinion. Something, someone, you name it, it's hard to say, right? Of course, dare, dare I say, you know, the archons and all of this. But what we'll find is that if we scroll down, note the next animations of the difference between transverse versus longitudinal waves is adapted from transverse waves. And we see here, again, longitudinal waves. And we see below that sound waves are also longitudinal. Now, you might be saying, Dave, what the hell does that even mean? Okay. This is the final result. What you then have is this pine cone situation. What you then also have here are, again, the solution to plasma compression control at a distance. What you have here is exactly what Salvatore Pay's patents are. How do I know this? Well... Let's take a look. Let's go. Sal pays Navy patents. Here we are. Look at this. What do you know? Everything's compressing into the center. Sort of like this. <laughs> now the question then becomes if say for example the craft. Let's say. Let me make sure. Yeah. The craft assuming this were to be a craft let's just say you see no you notice how again light um plasma and the light waves and all of this are coming in and then they're moving out they're pushing out again that's expansion and compression you need something around it to prevent the plasma from from hitting the walls and hitting its surrounding environment and having it contained right and again that's what Salpay says it goes back to this Planck scale about and then if we take a look at this from neg entropy in an implosive sense with plasma tubes, again, you find the same consistency within that of symmetry. You have the Planck dimension right in the center, which is called, you know, as what Hal Pudoff and his crew call zero-point energy. Because no matter if you shrink the universe, or dare I say your perception, down to a very small perspective, or you scale it up like crazy, or you remove the entire temperature from a room, let's say, you still have this... 0 point force or this Planck dimension as Dan Winter calls it right now we see here again the serpent the Naga hmm do we think that's a fluke hard to say so I hope folks didn't I didn't mean to confuse you I hope that this um, really explains and helps to lay out a lot of things visually and we will catch you tomorrow for a very special Euclid episode and of course we have um, 
lots more coming, but I will probably space it out so that you folks get uh, time to watch all of it. So without further ado, thank you so very much for watching, and we'll catch you all next time. Cheers, everyone.